Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the her in discern. Discerning? My name. I mean, that's one of those where it's like you have multiple. It's like discernment, discernment, discerning. And there's a her in there. Very clearly. And we only used one of those. So I think we still have one more. Well, I guess you yeah mm-hmm. that's what we're using today that's what i've decided yeah. <laughs> my name is summer yeager i'm here with my beautiful co-host joy and um i haven't gotten to tell you this cool story yet but um at church last week you know i don't know what day it is i have no idea what day it is in the last couple of weeks at church no. i turned around and met this lady and she was like, I was like, hi, I'm summer. And she was like, wait, what? And, um, she's a total snodgrass and her name is Liz from Ohio. And she and her daughter, and I think three daughters in law all listened to the show and they were just the sweetest she was the nicest lady and she wanted me to tell you hi and um they talk about us in their group chat and they just it was so nice so it's always so nice yeah it was it was like we knew each other it feels like that it feels it felt like i knew her and um she knew that i uh love when older women call me sweetheart so she called me sweetheart <laughs> and I really appreciated that. I appreciated that she took the time to just, you know, be a sweet lady. So yeah. hello to our Ohio snodgrasses in the group chat. And um, yeah, I wish you could have been there. It was fun. It was really fun. We, um, I just, and I don't know, I just love something about, I listen with my daughter and my daughters-in-law. Yes. It just makes me think of a, I guess we're going to be doing an episode on this shortly, but it's like, there comes a time where you like gain daughters in your family. I, I mean, not for everyone, not for, if yes. you just have girls, of course, but yes, I don't know. It's just like interesting to think about. You could live, you can live your whole life potentially with no daughters. And then all, well, like my mother-in-law doesn't have any daughters. And then right. all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I'm here. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's funny as I keyed in on that, actually, that's what I decided to to ask her about. Um, because she said she had, I believe three, I hope I'm getting that number right. And I was like, wow, like that made me think about, okay, well, one day I'm going to be the mother-in-law to my son's family. And I just had to know, I'm like, what is that like? And she said, they're all they're all walking with the Lord. They're all Christian. So she's got like generational faithfulness going on. And she just said it was like so fun and amazing. And um, I do think about that. I think about being a mother-in-law one day and how I want to be good at it. 
Yeah. <laughs> just, I want to be good at it, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, so anyway, that was my fun story. That, but, but yeah, that's, uh, I think maybe something we all should put some like intentional work into just like, it's like, oh, if you're single and you're not married yet, can you prepare yourself for being a good wife? Yes. Yes. Of course. Do that. Yes. yes. If you're not a mother-in-law yet, prepare yourself. One day. To it's, be that, that great mother-in-law. Yeah. Lord willing, it's coming around the corner yes. for you. Yes. But anyway, um, yeah. we are still in the middle of that hideous strength and book club. And we're nearing we the end. We're, we're, I guess middle is not accurate anymore. Man, but you guys, you guys. This is the year. This is the year to read um, the Space Trilogy. If you haven't, it's not too late to join us. You can still join us. Yeah. You can still watch all of our past discussions about any of the trilogy so far, um, which was helpful for me. Um, Book Club was very helpful for me to get through the Space Trilogy. You all know that. Um, and because people are always asking, how do you join book club? It is all at patreon.com slash theologians. Everything is there. That's where the conversation happens. That's where all the other, um, people that we're reading with are. So join us there. And also that's just how you can support the show. So, um, yeah, join us there. And as always, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. And um, do we have anything else we need to we have any other housekeeping? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, we were going to talk. Um, we talked about them briefly in November and December. And then we were reminded uh, to remind you guys about Forged Beard Co. Because right. Valentine's Day is coming up. That's right. Which is another holiday where you give a gift of love to a person who Has you love every day oh but you <laughs> just give them a special gift on certain particular days and we're approaching one of those particular days um and so if you just have uh no idea what to get your bearded person <laughs> man that's the one that's what they are if they're bearded there's a very small exception of bearded women. That's right. That's not really what this, that's not really who we're talking about. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> if you're a bearded but, lady, um, we would get you a razor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not beard care um, products. <laughs> but yeah, so we do recommend Forged Beard Co., which you can find at forgedbeardco.com. And you can put uh, Sheologians in the uh, discount promo box. code yeah. spot and um, get a little percentage off and they come highly recommended by many people My on husband. the website right now. Yes, 458 <laughs> customer reviews. Five stars. And yeah, they have beard oil, beard wash, shirts. Um, yeah, a shirt if your husband's in between beards right now, if you like had to shave for work or something. <laughs> in between beards. That's a great way to put it. My husband yeah. is constantly <laughs> changing up his facial hair style. So that's a very that's accurate. How, like sometimes I know men that they they get their beard in place and they curate it and they're like, 
perfect, don't touch it. And then some guys like the thrill of just like showing up at work with no beard. But anyway, that's my uh, husband. I mean, I know a few yep. guys that I'm pretty sure can grow beard overnight. I don't know yes. how that works, but. <laughs> <laughs> and some of you ladies know what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. It's okay. It's okay, you guys. It's all right. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely go check them out if you're looking for a, a gift um for 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 Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's our we're concluding our feminism series of the year. Our quasi annual feminism series and um some of you are loving it and some of you are hating it and that's that's your prerogative man (laughs) is what i have to say to that (laughs) um i i have to tell you no what were you gonna say you said yeah no go ahead okay i can wait so i have been today we're talking about feminism in the church and I have been thinking about this for a long time and I started doing some, some reading as one does. And I just decided to stop. I just decided to stop. And I just want to briefly say that and and I'm learning this in all sorts of areas, not just on this topic, on many different topics. And maybe this is just me. Maybe you guys are witnessing me become an older woman or something. I don't know. I am turning 35 in a couple of days. I know. It's happening. It's happening. There you go. But, Sometimes but, that's how it happens. It's like right around your birthday. It's just like, boop. Um, because of how I was raised in the church I have never had a time in my life where I did not believe that the Bible was true but not just like true there's never been a time in my life where I haven't believed that the Bible is the ultimate standard for mm-hmm. wisdom and knowledge. Um, even before I was genuinely saved, I would have said, yes, that all of the Bible is true, you know? And I think what I'm just starting to see more and more is that if the Bible is not your ultimate standard, for what is true. There's really no arguing with you because you're ultimately just rejecting God and his word. And if you're doing that, then you and I are just not standing on the same, we're not standing on the same ground. And there is a, a piece that I have about that. And what I mean by that is Like Jesus was really explicit. Like if you're not with me, you're against me. Like there's really only two kinds of people in the world. It's believers and unbelievers. It's the righteous and the unrighteous. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say the powerful and the oppressed. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, different. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Different podcasts. Different podcasts. (laughs) Different people. Yeah. (laughs) Different people. Yeah. Um, And the reason I'm saying all this uh, before we talk a little bit more niche on this topic is that I started reading some really dull, dry, scholarly articles on feminism in the church, and they're so boring. But at the risk of sounding anti-intellectual, I think only a scholar could say such stupid things. Like only somebody, mm-hmm. only somebody very adept at trying to argue that the Bible is saying something that it's not saying could possibly be this foolish and undiscerning. And so kind of the place I came to is, you know, if you listen to our show, I I do think we're, we're pretty niche in terms of our audience and in terms of what we say and what we believe. Of course, I'm thinking about that really nice Roman Catholic lady who emailed me a couple of weeks ago. All right. I understand we have some outliers here. I understand. Right. We have some you listeners. You guys surprise us sometimes. We're, yeah. Like. <laughs> Very surprising. Um, <laughs> but what I was thinking of when I was was reading the the evangelical feminists or the people who call themselves that was that. Um, you know, there are a lot of scientists out there who know a lot more than I do about a lot of sciencey things, but they still are such fools that they truly believe that the universe created itself out of nothing. And that was that was what it felt like reading these quote unquote biblical scholars who cannot discern the word of God. Um, yeah, very Proverbs, Romans one. Yes, very Romans one. Very Proverbs fourteen seven, which says, "Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge." Like you, if you are a fool, and the fool is 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 the person who rejects God and and His Word, who does not first seek God to receive knowledge. That is that is the fool according to Scripture. And that was how I felt when I was just like, man, I don't, I don't, um, I have no interest. Again, I'm not anti-intellectual. That's not the point here. The point is that if you are an intellectual who comes to scripture and is like, wow, you know, when I read Genesis one, what I come away with is that it took millions of years to make the world or wow, you know, the flood it probably wasn't worldwide. Maybe it was local or just these are, this is a rejection of God's word, which is a rejection of its ultimate authority in our life. And uh, I just don't have any interest in um, giving any kind of meaningful credence to the fool in that way. So I'm not saying there's never a time. I'm not saying there's never a time 
when, you know, in your own life, maybe someone that you know is being persuaded by um, these philosophies that give the appearance of wisdom, right? I'm thinking yeah. of Colossians 2. I'm not saying that there's never a time to want to approach those or no more. But I think ultimately what I always go back to is when I asked my dad when I was little, I was like, how do I effectively reach the Mormon? Like what Mormon documents do I need to know in order to effectively reach a Mormon? He said, no, you don't need to have to know the Book of Mormon. You need to know the word of God. You need to know the gospel. Right. You need yeah. to know those. You need to know the truth. And I've given that example before of like, how do bank tellers learn how to tell a counterfeit bill? They don't study counterfeit bills. Mm -hmm. They study what a true real bill looks like. And so that's my approach. I think that's our approach in general is like, sure, I'm happy to, yes, did, did, have we read Shelley and Wollstonecraft and, and the original feminists so we can tell you like this is them in their own words. And I don't think that's a waste of time. And I have enjoyed doing that. Um, but ultimately, if you don't know what is true, you have no basis to reject the false philosophies when they come into your life. Yeah. Um, so I am not I can't go into this discussion with a, well, here's what this evangelical feminist said, because it's so when you read it, it's so blatantly an attempt to twist what is plain in the scriptures that uh, you don't even really need to be ready with, well, the Greek text says, and I know that that's interesting to yeah. some people and that's fine. That's not what I plan on doing today. Yeah, I do think, um, you know, again, however far your interest goes, great. Um, but at a certain point, it's like, I'm not smart enough to be such a fool. <laughs> Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I think that we're, I, again, where this falls might be different for everyone. Yeah. But I do think we're at a point where it becomes more important instead of memorizing lists of facts to just be like, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. Yeah. Here's what I believe. Like, and to just, you have it, you have it all in the word of God. And yes. not that that is the only, like, it's sufficient. Um, but I think maybe just a better practice, we sometimes, there's like a self-reliance where it's like, if I can just be very voice, uh, very read, well-read, articulate in um, mm -hmm. knowing what other people believe, then um, I'll be able to hold my own in conversations. And I, again, not against that. I think to a certain extent that is actually important it's really important to not just be totally ignorant but a good practice for a lot of us who already kind of know some of the stuff or a lot of the stuff depending on who you are is to just um practice yeah just being like well that's not what the bible says um yeah and and sort of confronting the that sophomoric that wise fool um with just by saying like you're out you're outed like, I know you're a fool. I can see it. And you're not convinced your level of intelligence, the amount of books you've read are not going to convince me 
that you're not a fool. Like it's just, it, it, that's, that's very much where I'm at. And I have a long, I have a long way to go in practicing that. Um, but practice I shall, I guess. <laughs> um, yes. I, I also didn't, I have this thought of like, I was like, oh, when it comes, when it comes down to this episode, it's like, I could get together a bunch of quotes of well-known authors, uh, feminist Christians, as they would call themselves. Um, I think mainly now a feminist Christian, most of them, which this should be telling, belong to the deconstructed camp um yeah and yeah there was a point where I was just like I'm not I'm not gonna get into names I'm not gonna get into um this is not an expose (laughs) yeah um but something that I did it's interesting that you like this was the thought that you wanted to like start it all (laughs) because an interesting thought that I had because I just started, I'm like combing through all this stuff about deconstruction. And again, you know, so the first, I guess it's only appropriate since the first episode of this season was basically, so I mean, feminism is communism. Like, here we are again, ending <laughs> ending this series by saying feminism is communism. Um, but so the ultimate end goal of communism, of course, and feminism is um deconstruction but um a lot of my thoughts initially were kind of circling around this concept of the deconstructed person okay and I realized that there's two different types of people in this camp and we're talking about deconstructed people and deconverted people which of course we know that if someone um is like I'm no longer a Christian we know from the word of God that they were never a Christian. Um, There's no such thing as getting saved and getting a new heart and then taking back your old wretched heart. Um, The same heart was there the whole time. Um, But I think that, I think, um, well, I guess I could say I have, for what it's worth, I have more intellectual respect for the deconverted that they have the honesty to just come out and say, I'm no longer Christian. Like, I don't believe the doctrine. I don't believe that the Bible is the standard. I don't like what the Bible says. I don't believe it. As opposed to the deconstructed person who says, well, did Paul really mean that? Or we need to deconstruct the power structures of the, that are found in the hierarchies of the Bible. And, um, but something that I, I had this thought that I wrote in my notes, my notes are just like, a total mess. <laughs> so I'm sorry in advance, but here let me find it. Okay. So I did have this thought that the deconstructed aren't required, like socially and publicly. There's no like law requiring them to deconvert. So okay. what you have is you have people that are honest enough to say. Like, I don't believe this. I never believed it. I said I believed it, but I was being brainwashed. I was a product of my upbringing, whatever. Um, But so there are a lot of people who, if they were honest, they should say, 
I don't believe this. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately they don't. And what that means is there are a lot of deconstructed people out there that are still claiming to be Christians. Um, but that at almost every point they're like, Oh, did Paul really mean that though? Or yes. as you can see, like, like you said, it get it, it spans, it spans all the way from did Paul really mean that to a two hour long symposium on uh, women's roles and power structures in the Bible. Yes. yes. Um, but so. I don't, if you don't want to name names. <laughs> oh, I, just, that, I mean, I wasn't like at a certain point I stopped because I was yeah. like, I don't know. This is just becoming. Well, I think a great but, example, you know, a great example. You can of name what, names if yeah. you want to. Like, I think I'm I, not. Yeah, a great I'm, example I'm not, of a name would be Kristen Kobes Dume, who wrote um, Jesus and John Wayne, and she has a new book coming out um, on this topic, and it is, it is literally the subtitle is Catherine Bushnell and the Challenge of Christian Feminism, but the actual title of the book is a new gospel for women. Like they're just coming out and telling you, this is a new gospel. Mm-hmm. This this is a new gospel. Um, this is we another deconstructed, gospel. We deconstructed and from the ashes, this is what arose. A gospel, yes. a new gospel for women. Yes. Um, and remember that scripture calls any other gospel than the one been received as, um, you know, a damnable heresy. But uh these are again these are the intellectuals i really think dume um who by the way her first book was endorsed by um a trans guy girl i'm sorry i don't know the proper someone who's trans if that tells you anything about what you're dealing with and that should tell you not just anything but absolutely everything about what we're dealing with um And then I think of Beth Allison Barr, who wrote The Making of Biblical Womanhood. And a lot of the pushback that I received when we talked about that book was, no, she like you didn't actually deal with her arguments. And here's what I'm saying. Maybe you misheard me. But what I'm saying is that I understand that both of these women, both Dume and Beth Allison Barr, have like doctorates and they have teaching positions and they know history and uh, things like that. Um, All of their doctorates and history and teaching is utterly useless when what they're doing with it is writing a new gospel or spending their time telling you how um, what the household codes actually mean is not what they say. So that's what I'm kind of getting at with the, I think a lot of Christian women are fearful of looking stupid or dumb or anti-intellectual. Right. So they're like, well, but this historian and even, you know, even my my dad sent me an article written by somebody on our side who was like, no, Beth Allison Barr's book has some great points. And I'm like, OK, I, I understand she's a historian. I get it. Um, she also 
you know, um, is helping Mormon women deconstruct the patriarchy and Mormonism. This woman's not on our team. This woman is not interested genuinely in what faithful biblical womanhood looks like. So all of her degrees and her historical factoids, they don't, they're going to go in the rubbish heap of history. And what I think of is, um, in Rosaria Butterfield's book, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age, I loved her section on feminism because she was a professor, all right? An English professor steeped in a culture of lesbianism and feminism. And if you want to know somebody who was in it and who was teaching it, it was her and she tells the story of how it was the scriptures that persuaded her. It was the Holy Spirit and the scriptures standing in a pew in a reformed Presbyterian church, hearing Psalm 113 that opened her eyes to the truth of the word. She, you could have brought, she could have brought all of the arguments, all of the historical arguments and this yeah. feminist and that feminist and all of this stuff. But what was it that pierced her and changed yeah. her heart? It was, it was the word. And well, what and was it? Used her, she would have used her education to hate God. Like, so for all that her education was worth and for the many things she learned that were not fundamentally wrong she would have used that wisdom yes to like i'm yes. using quotes there she would have used that wisdom to yes. deny that god was real um and to and and to to reject him and suppress the truth and unrighteousness that's what she would have actually used her education to so for as smart and intellectual as that crowd is they're actually using their wisdom to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Yes. So I guess what, what's your measure of intelligence? Like what, what constitutes wisdom? Right. Right. And re really reading her section. And I can't wait to read that book with you guys. I mean, it's just absolutely wonderful, but reading her section yeah. on the lies of feminism and just the fact that it was scripture that corrected her in those beliefs. Yeah. That it wasn't, she didn't have to go hear, you know, the reformed Presbyterian pastor have a debate with the God-hating atheist feminist in order to see the truth. It was just learning about God's love, his order, his logic, what he says is good, what he says is right. Um, that's what the Lord uses. He He uses the word. And so whenever I come across the likes of the Beth Allison bars and the KK Dumais and whatever else have you, um, I understand that they, they do not, they lean very heavily on outside sources from scripture to reinterpret scripture and then to try to tell, help women deconstruct from their beliefs about scripture. And so I would argue that's what Christian feminism is. It's an attempt yes. to distort what is obviously true, um, to upend the 
obvious creational order and to assert that what God has said is good and true is actually bad and untrue. And we've all just been horribly misunderstanding it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we've said it many, many times here on the show that you can't be a feminist and a Christian. Like if you try to have both of those yeah. in a title, one ends up eating the other. And praise God, sometimes people get rid of that feminism <laughs> title. But often what happens is feminism wins out all of its feminism and all of its temptations. Yeah. Uh, but they're not, um, they're, they're, uh, I guess the, the big thing for me is, uh, I actually like that this is where the conversation went because I've been thinking about this a lot. Just the power of like intellect, I guess. The um, just it's like whoever you you win an argument and like if you win an argument, you're right. So in order to be right, you need to sound the smartest, have the most facts, um, but. That's not, that's, and I'm not saying that there isn't such a thing as intelligence based off of learning, sure. knowledge, reading, all that stuff. But um, it's just, it's an emphasis on false wisdom. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just going to tell you that the, <laughs> I don't know, uh, there's nothing redeeming about feminism. No. I'm sorry. No. Like, I don't, um, if you think that we need to focus on the merits of feminism and the good that it's done, there's been none. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, been none. No, let's touch on that. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Because I, I did have someone say, well, hasn't feminism done some, yeah. is there maybe a net positive? And my response to that, um, I, I have some sympathy for those that might genuinely be well-meaning in the care of, of, and concern of how image bearers of God are created. Great. If your concern is for how are image bearers of God treated, then we both have a similar concern. Right. However, my response to that would be um, that there are millions upon millions upon millions of murdered image bearers of God thanks to one of the driving engines of feminism that often gets left behind in this conversation and that is the babies that have been aborted in the name of the through line that I mentioned a couple episodes ago of free love and the restructuring of society and honestly straight up occultic beliefs that is inherent to the system yeah. of feminism. So yeah, we don't, we don't think that um, we don't think of abortion as a sacrifice to the devil. <laughs> I'm sorry. It we is. just don't like, yeah. we think that's crazy. We think of like, ancient civilizations that were caught 
doing human sacrifices to their fake stone gods or whatever. But no, we sacrifice to to idols and the devil himself. That yes. that's that's what it is. Like that yes. complete like I'm just I just feel like I need to say it. Maybe that's scary to you, but we just need to change how we think about yes. this. It's not even like it's not even just murder. Murder, bad enough. Done. Yes. <laughs> we know we know the verdict on abortion at murder. But it it's a sacrifice. It's like it's it's a pagan ritual. It is a an ex, a religious expression. Oh, yep. Um and practice done by people who hate God and hate life. Yes. Who are wicked and evil. Yes. And one of the things feminism has done to the church is I think that uh, many people in the church are sympathetic to abortion. They they genuinely have been guilted. And I would argue largely by the discourse of feminists to believe that a woman who murders her unborn child is also a victim, um, a victim of of, you know, different things and different excuses, but it's such a crazy low view of women that women genuinely don't know that a, 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 yeah. a baby is a baby. Um, so either you just think women are dumb or you think they can't possibly be guilty. And, yeah. you know, we don't make arguments based on the incredibly, you know, low number of women who have been coerced into abortion and making abortion about oh well women are coerced yes i absolutely believe of course that there have been women that have been coerced into right. having abortions yep. um it is not the vast majority of them you don't know what you're talking about you have not been on the streets you have not been involved in this conversation you have not read the literature if you believe that the majority of women who get abortions, number one, don't know that it's a baby or number two, have been coerced. That's not what's happening at clinics around around our nation, by and large. Um, if you go talk to women who are walking in to get abortions, they will tell you that they know it's their child and that they don't want it. That is yep. what the vast and, and, and feminism gave that to us. So sometimes while, like I said, I started this all off saying I'm sympathetic to the woman who wants there to be care and concern for women. Great. Um, you don't need feminism to do that. And the damage that feminism no. has done, not just to the, the millions of murdered babies, but to the women who have had abortions, who have become um, murderers in the name of all the idols that they are sacrificing to um, is you cannot leave that off the table. And I know um, I went to an Acts 29 church a couple of years ago and I remember talking to a member there and she was like, you know, um, there are a lot of people in our church who, who don't believe that abortion is wrong. And this wasn't mm -hmm. an Acts 29 church, which I mean, we all know Acts 29 has been woke forever at this point, at this point now. Yeah. But at a point like, it wasn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just, I was shocked. I was like, I thought I was in a church. I thought I was among, among Christians, but that is how yeah. pervasive the lies of feminism are. And I think particularly on the topic of, of victimhood, right? So feminism from the beginning 
was founded on this idea that women are victims of the patriarchy, that they are oppressed. And in order to free them, what do we have to do? We have to promote free love, the restructuring of the, of the society. And what do you have to do to restructure society? You have to tear down the family. So at its base, and I'm not going to go back and listen to the other episodes if you want to hear where we, those things came from, but at its very base root level, you are talking about a movement that is anti-Christian. So yes. to, to claim that there is a Christian feminist is to, it's an oxymoron. Like it's just, it's not right. a thing. And so where no, and I, 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 sorry, go ahead. Okay. Where I, I look say... for, <laughs> we did it again. Where I look for feminism in the church is where, and, and when I say church, I'm going to be more niche. Now I'm going to talk about our people. I'm going to talk about us. Okay. Where are we believing the lie that women cannot sin and are just simply victims? Because I think that is the infection point right now. Currently, that is where the most damage is being done currently. And whenever I see Christian feminists or people that are in the middle of deconstructing, I always without fail, see a woman who is claiming some sort of victim status every time. Right. Well, and so I was, I was just going to say that that um, trying to look at feminism favorably is just, um, well, I get why we do it, because that's what we're encouraged to do culturally, which is to never, like, throw out someone's beliefs and opinions and ideas. Um, but they are feminism, feminism, feminism. Uh, has to twist and turn to fit with Christianity. And it doesn't, it doesn't end up fitting in. It ends up irreparably damaging what it's trying to penetrate into. <laughs> um, and, and so I, there's just many things that haven't been thought about. Like you, you even mentioned in the instance where the woman is coerced. So like the Bible has an answer for justice and they actually haven't, they haven't, they have an answer for the victim and they have an answer for the perpetrator. What feminism believes is that the reason the woman is coerced is because of the patriarchy, a hierarchy that has created mm -hmm. a society for women, to, for it to be morally okay for women to be coerced into murdering their children. That's not, that's not how we live. That's not, in the state that we live in right now, I mean, I'm not saying we're not in rough shape, but that's not the country we live in. That's not the world we live in. Um, there, that that's not what's happening. And I'm just going to tell you that the Bible has an answer. It's not that the collective of all men must answer for the fact that women are coerced. It's that the man who coerces a woman to kill her child would answer for his sin. And then God gave us tons of case law to extrapolate what that might look like. Um, right. And just so you know, it's pretty clear when it comes to murder and when it comes to the murder of an unborn child, uh, even on accident, not intentionally, the, the, Guilty. the, the, the sentence, the sentence uh, is spelled out pretty well. Um, but, and it's, 
it's really, it's to the point where you don't have to do that much. So in that instance, like the Bible speaks perfectly clearly, feminism does not. Feminism creates the society. Again, feminism is communism. At the basis of communism is the philosophy that there are haves and have nots always in society that will war against each other until eventually one day, everyone, there's no haves and have nots. There's just equality. Egalitarian, this egalitarian society where no one has more, where no one is um, <laughs> different. It's just a gray beige. Everyone has the same thing, which doesn't work in any reality that we know or understand. Um, and it's wicked and evil. And it's actually led to, you know, if you want to tack on the born people that have been um, victims of communism, we're looking at just millions and millions and millions of people. Um, that's what feminism is. It is a collective ideology. And the woman who is coerced actually becomes a statistic that perpetuates the narrative of feminism. So what feminism actually does to that woman that's coerced is they use her to perpetuate their narrative. So you're talking about, we're not talking about like, oh, well, at least somebody's looking out for them. It's like the Bible. The Christian, that's who's looking out for the woman who is coerced, not not the feminist Christian, the Christian. Um, and, and it's all the same. Every little moment, if you want to talk about partiality, feminism doesn't have a doctrine of partiality. The Bible does. They don't have, it's not about people getting treated different than other people. That's not what feminism is about. Feminism is about the collective systematic abuse of one group done by another group because this is their philosophy of what the world is. So what the Bible says <laughs> yes. is that, um, so, well, so, I mean, first of all, the, the Bible clearly teaches hierarchy. That's the point, the whole point of it. Mm -hmm. um, and in a way, the Bible does teach that there is this groaning, aching, um moving kind of thing of people who have something and people who don't um people who have a sin nature and need to be saved and need a savior but don't have it yeah. um but in in the bible the king the authoritarian he comes and he dies for his the people that are subject to his authority that's the story of the world the story of the world is not there are some people that have more than others and some people that are smarter and prettier and born in a better place. And some people don't. And those people need to always constantly war back and forth until eventually everything harmony and communist euphoria is created. <laughs> That's not the story. That's not the story. Like you, it's not, that's not, that is the story of feminism. It's not the story of the Bible. There just is no, and, and I could do, I could do this all day where it's like, if you just think about it, there is, there's not only is it not necessary, but when you try to jam feminism into Christianity, you are marring this intact. You have this intact, the Bible, this intact, completely true for, for all time <laughs> yeah. thing, this yeah. block, and you're yeah. trying to jam this thing into it and you yeah. end up with this broken thing. Like it's not, 
you're not, it's not going to be the same thing that it was. You're fundamentally trying to change Christianity, its doctrines, theology, church history, just to be sympathetic to, to a movement that has never cared about women. They have cared about, it's women caring about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, that's slick, right? That's very slick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I'm sorry, it's, a, it's, care, it's a movement that has been primarily characterized by feeling bad for yourself. And yeah. now there have been some situations where wrong was happening. The Bible has an answer for it. There is no, right. um, there is no collective patriarchy that is systematically trying to ruin your life. It's probably you doing it. <laughs> and if yeah. it's not you, yeah. the Bible has specific, it, it, it ha- I mean, just endless case law, endless law of how to handle legitimate sin, situations of legitimate victims and legitimate oppressors. Like the, the answers aren't in feminism there and they're the answers that feminism gives are, are just fundamentally different than the one that the Bible gives. And if you're finding someone um, who is trying to make the two compatible, they're lying to you. Like there's just, and they're deceived. And yeah. that's how, I mean, that's why I said so very Romans one, like claiming, claiming to became, become wise, they became, they became fools, fools. And then it lists, and then there's this three-step process. And at the end of it, it's like, God gives them over and they believe their lies. Yeah, believe it. I think a great litmus test for (laughs) a, uh, someone who claims to be a Christian feminist. Okay. What about all of the, the unborn women who have been murdered in the name of feminism? Yeah. What about Mm -hmm. them? Because if you want to talk about oppression, talk about being slaughtered, being unable to defend yourself and being slaughtered. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if they pass that quiz, because I do know there are quote unquote pro-life feminist movements. All right. Here's my question. What does feminism give you that scripture doesn't, that you need an outside philosophical system to work into scripture? Because when I read scripture, what I have learned about women is that they're made in the image of God. And there actually is no higher standard for the value of a person than that they're made in the image of God. What, what, what higher price tag do you have? And uh, ultimately image of God means whether you're unborn, whether you're elderly, whether you're disabled, whether you have down syndrome and feminists across the board are pro putting to death the unborn. Um, what about the death courts um, in in Europe? Um, what about the fact that there are entire nations that just abort any baby that has Down syndrome in utero? Mm-hmm. Um, image of God is the standard for how we are to create or to treat other human beings. And feminism doesn't have that standard. Feminism is not about image bearers of God because ultimately what image bearing of God does is it puts it actually, it actually legitimately puts everybody on equal footing in terms of their value, right? Right. Um, Feminism, because it rejects the, the Bible and because it rejects what is true, 
and is is seeking some sort of of fake equality um has a lot of dead bodies in its wake mm -hmm. so you're either going to accept the truth about what image bearing means and about the creational order which does does put you in a box by the way you are you are you are born without your permission you are either a male or a female and you didn't choose it you're born to parents you didn't pick you're born where you're born and when you're born and not according to you and that is the box that you are born in and you don't get to change the rules but because we want to be the author of our own lives right we yep. want to say and that's why that's why i even mentioned that um someone who says they're trans was um an endorser of Dumay's book Jesus and John Wayne somebody who genuinely believes they can author reality they author reality um likes Christian feminist ideas and there's a reason for that <laughs> there's a reason that these things go hand in hand and there's a reason why I started the whole conversation saying if scripture is not your ultimate authority then you and i just we are not going to see the world the same um mm -hmm. if it is not your unquestioned authority then we are not standing on the same plane and i have no problem with anything that scripture says about me you were talking about you know wanting this flat equality and it's like you read the household codes in scripture and who who is addressed in the household codes Everything from the father to the husband to the mother to the wife to the child to the slave, wherever God has placed you, that is yeah. where you are. And here is how yeah. you are to behave. It's not, hey, moms, you know, make sure that um, dad does the same amount of dishes this week that you do. Hey, dads, make sure that um, mom makes as much money this week as you do. Hey, slaves, make sure that you aren't a slave anymore. <laughs> um, no. no, if you go read the household codes, that's not what you're going to find. Um, right. and well, and by talking about abortion, we already mentioned the driving force of equality. Like that's what abortion represents to feminism is equality because having a child to grow and nurture and care for undeniably changes your ability to function in the world. And it undeniably uh, focuses your attention and focuses your role. Uh, and, and feminism resents that. They want to be able to have the same opportunities and role as men. And so the ability to not be pregnant, just like a man, is being equal. So you want to get dark. I mean, this is like one of the darkest stories told of all time in order to become like this, this futuristic dystopia where you have millions, millions and tens of millions of people dead just so that we can all have the same opportunities. Like that's the cost of equality. Equality is not just like, Oh, I want to be able to do the same things. It is, I want to be able to do the same things. And, and the largest example of that that we see today is I want to 
I don't want to have to carry or nurture or raise a child because a man doesn't have to do that, which by the way, according to the Bible, he does. Um, <laughs> he definitely does just because he is not physiologically connected to the child. Uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah. But, well, and two, you know, um, this is, this is opening a door. I don't know that we are intending to walk through, but just briefly too, I want to say that it is wild and it is, it is feminism to think for the fact that it is incredibly common for women to take cancer causing hormonal birth controls. Yes. To suppress their natural biological function without even Mm -hmm. really considering what that does to a woman's body. It's so normal. Yeah. It's so normal. It's not even thought about, but in order to suppress the ability to have children so that they can have that fake equality, I'm using air quotes because I'm a millennial. Um, you are literally suppressing your natural hormonal function to have a, what a job to, 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 to whatever else great, awesome thing that you do at your desk job at the DMV or whatever. Right. Um, you are, you are damaging your chances to have children in the future. You are potentially causing all kinds of problems in your own body. And it's just normal. It's just, it's just a given. It's like part of your, like every time I've had a baby, you know, one of the questions afterwards was like, do you need me to write you a prescription for birth control? I'm like holding a baby. Yeah. I like just gave birth to, yeah. and it's like, they ask it's you. just They're like, normal. So how are you? How are you going to keep from having another baby now? And it's like, it's such a crazy, it's wild. No, it's wild. Well, it is like at some point it is going to be documented as the most unethical human rights violation, medical testing that was done voluntarily. Yes. Like, this is this is where we're at like uh, it's 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 nuts what we will sacrifice on the to the idol of equality um it we 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 like to paint it in true feminist form we like to paint it as something else pretty pretty and pink and and all these things and 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 in a lot of my reading um on just like can the two cohabitate it's just like oh well you know what you're gonna get a lot of people believe that these two these two uh ideas are are not compatible but a lot of people are just turning this into like they turn a lot of christians just turn feminism into this big boogeyman and like it is i didn't have to do anything it is mm-hmm. 40 million babies and count countless others the fertility of women like do you know how many i saw this social media post that was like she had this the most real humble moment of her life and she was like i went on birth control because i was insert the 15 reasons why they'll put your child on birth control when they're 13 and 14 years old right and she was like i went on that i got married when i was in 
like my mid twenties. And then two years later, we wanted to have kids. So I got off birth control and I just thought my body would just know what, like I literally, the minute I started having that whole process started happening to me, I stopped it. And then I thought that I would just go off the pill and having never had a normal anything and that I would just be able to start it again. She was like, how dumb was I? Like how fooled, like how deliberately deceived. Yes. And this is so, it's so funny because this is just like, (laughs) I'm sorry if this is uh, not an appropriate time to just like totally plug book club again. This is so, this is so, (laughs) this is so Mark at the end of chapter 11. It is. You have no idea what that means. This is so Mark. This is so Mark in that hideous strength, just lying to yourself, deceiving yourself, seeing the evidence and being like, no, like realizing, like, have I ever made a real decision that didn't involve deceiving myself or have I just been doing that my whole life? Like, oh, wow. What a fool I've been, which just so you know, is like, that is the end result for all of those people at the end of Romans one that in claiming to be wise, they became fools. The end result is at some point, ultimately, they will know, there will be no confusion as to whether or not they're wise or fool. Um, I think it's a great kindness that we realize it before <laughs> uh, we die. So um, I, like, I, I'm, I am so grateful to not be deceived by this. I am blown away by the deceptive power of this. Ultimately, I know it's not powerful. It's going away, but, um, it has, it has its grips in us. And I mean, I guess that's kind of what, when we started Sheologians, we didn't totally, we were like figuring it out, what we were talking about, what we were doing. And then pretty early on, like a few months we figured out like, this is it. So for all the episodes that we do on Sheologians, we put time in, we always want it to be a valuable use of your time. And we love that people are like, I feel like I'm talking with my friends, but this is the mission statement of Sheologians, which is to just tell you guys over and over and over again, (laughs) that feminism is poison. And over (laughs) and over again. If you haven't gotten it yet, please keep listening because you missed it. You missed it. There will, there will not ever be a feminism is Christian episode. No, there will never ever be. It's, it is, it's so obviously the worst thing that's ever happened to women. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You know, if those of you that are historians, you could probably make cases for some other things. And I'm open to that. But, I'm just but to women go... currently, feminism <laughs> yeah. is the danger. And I would say, I'll just, this is my last thought. The more, so on the podcast, I'm not really doing this on the podcast, but I decided, well, my husband, my husband actually was like, so I, I am, I am 16 months 
postpartum, I'm pretty much done nursing. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to lose weight. That's my, it's what I'm doing right now for my health, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. My husband was like, you should take people along. You should share what you're doing and you should encourage people because he has been encouraged by what I've been doing. And yeah. he, he was really very much like, talk about it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to take up the podcast to do it. I'll just post about it on social media. Right. Because if you don't like it, you can just scroll. And, um, right. what I'm learning from talking about health and the physical body is that feminism has deeply impacted Christian women on this topic as well. And I'm, I'll probably have more thoughts about that soon, but it's wild to me how Christians who claim to stand on the authority of the word can be so deceived by worldly philosophies that that really do pander to your fears, to your desires, to your idols, and just how how much, for whatever reason, we have given to the world we have outsourced to the world what we believe about health. We've completely outsourced it. And birth control is one way that we've done that. Mm -hmm. We've just unquestioningly, well, the doctor says, right. And I'll never forget um, our friend. I've mentioned her a couple of times and um, I won't, I won't uh, blow her cover, but somebody who has degrees, doctorates, worked with the best of the best professionals, athletes. I'm working out with her. And I said something that would have been totally vanilla to the quote unquote health and fitness world. And she kind of looked at me and she was like, well, what do you think the Bible says? And I actually had a moment where I was like, oh, the Bible doesn't talk about this. Now, I did not say that out loud because... (laughs) I didn't say that out loud because I think a dumbbell would have like smacked me in the face, you know, but, but that, <laughs> that was when I realized, okay, no, the Bible has something to say about my health mm-hmm. and about what it means to be healthy and the ways that God has made the body and designed the body. And the Bible actually does speak to that. Now it doesn't have a a weight loss plan for you. I'm not, I'm not saying like the Daniel diet or whatever weird things the evangelicals have sold are what I'm promoting. But, but I had that moment where I had to correct myself because we have totally outsourced. We are such Gnostics Mm -hmm. and, and some of us on accident that we could actually I actually had a moment and it was a moment and it did not last and it has impacted how I view health, fitness, food, the body, but we cannot outsource and continue looking. You know, I mentioned it earlier. Let's stop looking to people with something to sell or who believe that the world created itself for hot tips on our health. Like, let's just not do that. Mm-hmm. How about we stop being Gnostics? How about we stop thinking that we can't possibly have any knowledge? So much so much of feminist thought and even health and fitness thought is like esoteric. It's like, I have the information. I have the knowledge and it's secret. And if you come do this 
thing. And if you do it this way and let me let you in on this esoteric knowledge um, that is, is not obvious and is not revealed by the light of nature, then you'll finally overcome. And it's like, man, the light of nature is a school that we need to go to. And I think even the light of nature would say, hey, murdering your babies is wrong. Um, suppressing your natural hormonal cycle, not good. Right. Um, no, you can't starve yourself and gain weight. Um, you know, these are, these are, this is the light of nature, my friends. Right. And we need to, as Christians, accept it and then live accordingly. So anyway, that's my last thought. And, um, yeah, I'll just leave that one there. I like this episode. <laughs> I had like I had things in my notes that I didn't really say. Okay. And I had I just had like I even wrote down questions that Okay, I'm just going to ask you them. They're okay. super these are softballs. Okay. But I just I'm not I'm not like trying to be patronizing by asking easy questions. I just yeah. am asking these questions to just highlight something. Try to think, just try to think about like what the answer to the question is. Okay. And why you think that. Okay. Um, so was Jesus a feminist because he treated women well? No, he, he was God. He is God. And yeah, and God treats women well. He didn't believe in in like power. Well, to some extent, he he didn't believe in the power struggles that we believe in today. He he no. believed that he 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 knew he had to come and be a sacrifice for yeah. You're talking for, about you're talking about the God man who literally gave up his throne but who simultaneously right. is the king that is in charge of the entire universe. Like he right. very much is, is the, is the power. There is no power outside of him. Right. Yeah. Like, and he, it's his, he believes in power because he's the ultimate power. He is the ultimate. <laughs> yes. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and so it wasn't, it wasn't because Jesus did some things that might have a, you might be able to insert some um, like, oh, well, look how he cared for women in a time where women weren't being cared for. That's yeah. not, that's not, so first of all, that's not what feminism believes. And like with Jesus, no. the, why Jesus was here blows that out of the water, blows right. feminism out of the water. Yeah. Um, and then the other, the only other question I had was just like, like when a man fails a woman. So for this, what I really mean is like when a husband fails a wife, what is happening mm -hmm. and how do you deal with it? Yeah. Okay. So I would say that all authority and power comes from Christ and that any, any power or authority anyone has is given by him. So in order for the head of the family to be um, Christ-like, then he has to use his rightful 
power and authority as the head in a proper way. So if he is not doing that, if he is not using his authority as from Christ um, in order to honor God and for the blessing and growth of those under him, that's sin that has to be repented of. And then, so in order for a husband to be a, um, a godly husband, he has to be in submission to Christ as his head. And so if he's ever not doing that, that's sin. And um, are you asking what the wife should do in that situation? I'm, how do you, yeah. How do you deal with? Yeah. I, again, so it depends on like the severity question, but it's yeah. like, the question is how do we deal with sin? Yeah. So it depends on the severity of the sin, right? Some sins right. are, some sins fall under, let love cover it. Some sins fall under, call the police. Some sins fall right. under, call your pastor. Some sins fall under, confront your husband respectfully in private. Um, so there's a range of, depends on the sin or the failure to be a proper a God honoring husband, but, um, yeah, it would just depend on what the range is or what the, right. I'm sorry. It would and depend you, on what the sin falls under. Right. And do you think that a husband's or in this, you know, for the sake of this feminism conversation, do you think it's important or serious for a man, a husband to sin against his bride? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, one of the, I mean, again, it depends on the range, but like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. It serious. Sin, sin is serious. Sin is always serious. Um, and you know, this is when I, I use this example when people erroneously want to say like, oh, well, you know, homosexuality is just one kind of sexual sin. Like, don't you care about heterosexual sins? And there's so many problems with that. But um, I'm I'm fighting against the lie that all sins are the same. So if your two-year-old steals a cookie from the cookie jar, don't call the police. If you witness a murder, please call the police. We are we these are it's when you put it this way, it's very obvious that not all sins are um have the same consequences and should not be dealt with exactly the same. Um, stealing a cookie is theft is a sin. Stealing a cookie Mm -hmm. is a sin. If you were told not to take it and you take it, you are sinning. You are taking something that is not lawfully yours. And that is a sin. But stealing a cookie will not have the same consequences to you or to others around you as as uh, committing a murder, for example, right? The consequences should be in a just society different. And so, yes, it is a sin when a husband sins against his wife and it is bad. Again, the severity, the consequences, these are all going to be dependent on what the sin is. But I will say that I think, uh, oh no, my sleepless brain isn't going to help me here. There's either a verse or a famous quote. I'm so sorry of like someone saying that like 
if a if a man mistreats his wife, like I don't even want to hear what he has to say. Right, right, right. Like I'm not even yes. interested um, in. Why can't I remember this? This is a failure um, of mine. I'm looking at. I'm looking it up. I don't know if it's a sin, but it's definitely. I needed more sleep last night. Um. Oh, but you know, I'm very. I, know. Thankful. I think it's a. I think it's a quote. But um, the last. I guess the last part of the question is like how do we know, like, how do we know the severity of the sin and how to, mm-hmm. how to, uh, yeah, deal with the sin? The Bible. Yeah. The, the Bible, um, the, the, both the old and the new Testament are, have a lot to say about the requirements of a husband and a wife in marriage. And, you know, you were saying like, well, didn't Jesus treat women a certain way? I would say, yeah, the same way that he treated them in the old Testament, value dignity worth image of god um if you look at the old testament case laws for here's what's required of someone if they um you know are struggling and cause a pregnant woman to miscarry here's what happens if someone rapes a woman here's what happens if someone murders a woman um jesus is god and god authored the old testament and those were all his ideas so while it was radical for the time, sure, the way that Jesus treated women, yes, um, it was also radical in the writing of the Old Testament, the way that the women of Israel were expected to be treated. So um, very different than the neighboring nations, right? Like God's right. law was meant to show the na- to make Israel stand out so much from the neighboring nations and how they and how good and loving and gracious that his law was. Um, so don't forget that when you're looking at Jesus in the New Testament, that's the same God, right? right. Who, who authored the law. And so I would say, you know, scripture, um, read your Bible, um, talk to your elders. Uh, yeah. So the next part of it is like, what if you need help because he won't listen to you or he won't admit that he's doing it? Yeah. Or so like, God- what do you do then? Yeah, God loves women. And I think that part of the Christian life, and this is an email we get a lot. And there's a common thread here. Women will email and they will say, you know, this is what's going on. And it's bad things. It's like, my husband's cheating on me, my husband, this, this, and that. And my question always, because I'm not close enough to you to really affect change dear snodgrass is like are you taking this to your elders and every single time the answer is no because we aren't members of a church and so i do want to say that being a member of a bible believing god honoring church is a protection for women when they need it and um you should be able to go to your pastors and go to your elders when there are serious situations going on that need help or even just for marriage counseling. You know, our pastors are always like, we're here for counseling. Like it doesn't have to be some big dramatic thing. Right. Like you guys just need counseling. Like we love you. We're your shepherds. You can come to us. Um, and so I, I definitely encourage women in those situations, like, Hey, you need, you need to be a part of a church there needs to be a body that you are a part of that you, um, 
will be taken care of in when those situations arise. And they might, you never know. Yeah. Okay. So I have one final question and then I'm going to kind of like summarize my point okay. that I'm trying to make with this series of questions. Um, what if a woman, so this one, let's say just so that we can really get some of that summer Jaeger simplicity. <laughs> okay. Like we're looking for like an answer of like five to 10 words can be less than five. Even. No problem. So like be as just non, no caveats, no quarter. What if I just don't want to go to church? What if I just don't want to go to church? You're probably not a Christian. I just, you're probably not a Christian. Um, how do you, Jesus said, how do you know, how do you recognize my followers? Well, they love each other. They love each other. If you don't love the church, there is something to diagnose there. Now, I know that Christians are humans and they're fallible and whatnot, but I would say if there's a, if you are in a season where you're like, I don't want to go to church, I would question if you love Christ, why don't you love his bride? And if it's not a season for you, but it's just genuinely, you hate the church. You can't love Christ and not his bride. That's not a thing. And if you are a Christian, that's something to repent of. So I'm not saying infallibly, if you've ever had the feeling, I don't want to go to church, you're not a Christian, but I would say you do need to consider and take your salvation seriously. Um, if you don't have any appreciation or joy for the people that you say you're going to spend eternity with. Um, whenever people are like, I'm just not comfortable in church. I'm like, wow, eternity is going to be hell for you. Yeah. It's going to be horrible. It's going to. And, uh, so there's just something to think about there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I hope that what I've proved to you with this short interview (laughs) is that, so I think we already proved to you that feminism isn't Christian, but I hope what this conversation proved to you is that what feminism is, is the pragmatic solution to non-believers or lazy believers being in our churches. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so Christian feminism isn't just not real. It's not just not true, but we're using it as a pragmatic way to keep someone in our church, or we're using it as a pragmatic way to make sure that a husband is treating a wife well, but that we need to use the word of God to determine whether or not, because, because that's where that's just anytime pragmatism comes into play, you're just looking at the means justify the ends, which again, we already talked about, don't we have to respect feminism for the good that it's done? No. No, nope. The means don't justify the ends. What and good? So feminism, what good? Right. <laughs> what so good has it done? Is just, 
it's it is just our cowardly response to either trying to minister to unbelievers because we have horrible because churches are not doing their job and there are literal unbelievers comfortably sitting in the seats or people who are believers but culturally they don't understand that that um belief is robust and growing and changing over time and there's sanctification and they think they can just be a child forever and so the church says well i i still need a minister because that's my job i need a minister to these people i don't want them to walk out the door so let me just create the child version or let me just create the church for the person who does not believe in the church <laughs> and and i'm sorry that's just that is us catering to the world it's not doing what a church is supposed to do it's not abiding by the word of god and feminism is just the at worst it is a human rights violation atrocity it's the biggest one that's ever happened and like if you want to go easy on feminism it is the slippery pragmatic approach we have to growth stunted christians or non-christians being in church yeah and us trying to be appealing yeah well that's the period at the end of that story <laughs> we went places we went we said things um what a way to end the whole series <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed our mellow opinions on this topic <laughs> i almost didn't go there okay I'm glad you did i'm glad you did <laughs> Take it there. I'm not sorry. We're sorry for nothing. Um, I have no apologies to make about anything <laughs> that we said. I hope it was encouraging. No, I genuinely, I I think we desire to just encourage Christian women to take a a sharp instrument to their sin or to any way that you are thinking that stands in opposition to the word of God. And ultimately um, it will grow you and it will strengthen you and it will sanctify you. And if there's anything standing between you and thinking more like Christ, then it's time to hate it properly and um, read the space trilogy because, because man, Paralandra is going to make you think Yo. about proper hate and yeah. proper love and you need to hate what god hates and you need to love what god loves and that should be just your default setting that you are working towards at all at all times um so that's I'm, it that's I'm it you guys doing these doing these episodes while reading that hideous string i'm just like perfect <laughs> i don't know i don't understand it was great it's just perfection it was fantastic <laughs> thank you c.s lewis if you guys have been with us since the beginning you know i was like nah i don't read c.s lewis and now yeah. i'm like i will never stop reading c.s lewis yep. mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. i'm not sorry I'm not sorry about that either. Okay, that's it, you guys. <laughs> I promise. You can leave us a voicemail. I don't know how long we've been going. You can leave us a voicemail at 470. <laughs> you can leave your complaints not in my inbox. 470-465-0475. And we will see y'all next week. When I see your ghost.